Hey there, film fans, and welcome to another episode of The Real Take. Now, normally on this podcast, some of us take our hosting duties quite seriously, researching, writing notes carefully, and only partaking in beverages that consist of caffeine, you know, something that will keep the brain alert, not all warm and fuzzy. However, this week, all bets are off, as I've opened a nice bottle of red. I'm just letting it breathe, and the anticipation of that first sip is well and truly... Hang on a minute. Is this Merlot? Who ordered fucking Merlot? That's it, Niall. You were right, this podcast is a farce. Roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. Yes, it is the Real Take, the podcast by film fans, for film fans. Please do like and subscribe to the Real Take wherever you get your podcasts and never miss another episode. And uh, Niall and Ross are here and we're going to get nicely sozzled as this week it's an episode, Ross Lee, he has been practicing for ever since we started this podcast. <laughs> we're focusing on drinking movies. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing great, Sinead. In the words of the great W.C. Fields, a woman drove me to drink and I didn't even have the decency to thank her for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I'm not that woman in question you're talking no, about. Then, no, eh? no, <laughs> no. Uh, i got to say, movies and booze go so well together that Sean McGreef actually has a show on News Talk or uh, a segment of a show I'm, called I'm Movies sorry, and I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. <laughs> no promoting um, other no promoting news talk on this okay, podcast okay of course of course absolutely they, they not pair really well together I feel though I think a nice drink and a movie maybe not if you're in the cinema don't be sneaking booze into the cinema but if you're at home relaxing and there's a nice movie on having a nice beer or a nice you know cocktail or something there works wonders with a movie Are, have you been have either of you been to is it where is it in Dublin. Oh, the Stella. Stelor- the yes. Stella in Stellorgan, yeah. Where yeah. you can get, uh, can you get, is it is it just drinks or can you get food there? I've never been. Uh, I've never been. I'd love to go. Small finger food stuff, but I right, was there right. before. I was at for a midnight screening uh, mm. of something or other and you can get cocktails there and watch mm. a movie and it's all very art deco. It looks, it's great actually. Oh, it's, it's really a beautiful before. cinema. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I, know I predict in, in, we should go there then. We should, we should plan a real take night out. <laughs> Uh, li- listeners, we're starting a crowdfund pa- page for us all <laughs> to go to the Stella because I imagine it's like cocktails are very expensive anyway. So yeah, I imagine yeah, they're, they're even there. more expensive there. But uh, I know it's a big thing. Experience. Yeah, I know it's a big thing in America where you can literally have a meal and you can have a beer. You can do whatever. You know, there's a Alamo Draft House. I think is a chain of of cinemas in America where it's more about. But I, I Ross, I'm surprised at you because now I would have thought. Like you, you're very, you're very strict on cinema etiquette. So, I mean, you wouldn't encourage people to be enjoying a cocktail, would you? Well, there's sometimes when, um, do you ever go to sometimes in pubs, the odd occasion, they have a film on and they're like, oh, it's going to be film night. In those occasions, it's all right to talk and have your phone out and, you know, be eating and drinking in the, in the, in that particular setting, because it's going to be some movie you've seen a million times before it's going to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something like that yeah. in which case it's more about the oh I love this scene and it prompts a conversation or whatever so in those settings I think it's okay I think don't think sneaking a flag and a cider into the Omniplex <laughs> <laughs> 
he speaks as as a man of experience. <laughs> he speaks as a, a sp- he speaks as a man who's been caught sneaking a bag of cider <laughs> into the omniplex. <laughs> They're very perceptive in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This episode well, I, is I kindly think... sponsored by the Unplexible. Yeah. <laughs> I think that works well, though. Do you know? I think it, but yeah. it has to be a movie. You can't be like, oh, I've been really looking forward to seeing this you know, movie. It can't be a foreign art house <laughs> movie yeah. either. It has to be you know, Although, broad appeal. Although, au contraire, mm. uh, you know, those civilised amongst us have gone to Druid Art Centre to partake in, you know, a oh, foreign yes. language fair. And they yeah. do serve you. You know, a glass you of wine if you want a to. Glass yeah. of wine beforehand. There's yeah. no, there's no interval, but you could certainly enjoy a glass of wine and bring it into to the screening as well. Uh, but yeah. yes, yeah, I mean, but that's, well, that's you know, so, you're 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 so talking about it's almost as theater, you say, you know? yeah, it's it, it, it is it's it, it's uh, it's very artistic. Yes, so art- we're all wearing our berets, we're smoking our Galois cigarettes, <laughs> and we're talking about uh, philosophers. So yeah. yeah. God. Say Galware again or whatever you said there. Galwow. Galwow. <laughs> love it. Love it. So like like you said though, Ross, you know, I like Friday night is my night, right? So, you know, at the weekend it's like my drinking night where now like that makes me sound like I'm an absolute like gonna go to town on this. <laughs> well, I mean you didn't say Tuesday night was your No, I didn't say Monday Tuesday night, morning so either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I could I could care less about a Saturday night drinking. Like for me, you know, it's end of the week bottle of wine is being opened in our house and it's like the the argument then is what are we going to watch with this you know but it's yes. it's always kind of that ah, moment you know like let's relax you know and I look forward to that glass of wine or or you know a couple of glasses on a Friday night absolutely with a movie 100% has to happen now it doesn't matter what the movie is it doesn't have to be very cultured because I'm drinking <laughs> wine it can be Arnold Schwarzenegger you know what I mean shooting people I don't All care the better for it if it is. <laughs> you're not you're like a, a fruity uh, leapfrog milk for that I think um <laughs> You know uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who is a director I think we all admire. I know well, yeah. Um, and he uh, he famously has or had a vineyard. He sold his vineyard oh. recently in order to fund his passion project, Megalopolis, which is the movie he's wanted to make for years. But when he had his vineyard, you could subscribe to the Francis Ford Coppola film Wine Club, oh, wow. and they would send you <laughs> bottles of bottles of wine and movies that were paired up. With oh. the, you know, with the wine that you're I going to drink. It. So, yeah, that's something tells that's me like a that's a club idea. that you were definitely like a part of or aspired oh, no. to be I, part of. I, I, I aspire would be it because I think it's a lot. It was a lot of money. The okay, wine was rich not, people. I'm very much. I'm. I mean, not to spoil what we're going to be talking about, but I'm. I'm not like uh, Paul Giamatti in Sideways. I'm not. Oh. I'm going. What's yeah. the price? How much is the price? This is the most I will pay for a bottle of wine. You're and more uh, that weekend at Bernie's and eight cans of Dutch Gold sort of guy. Absolutely, absolutely. What? On a Sunday, on a Sunday morning, Ross. <laughs> no, this ruins my entire bit now because. It's so funny that you actually said that. Okay, we'll we'll we, we'll save it for my piece, but uh, yeah. Uh, what what I think with regards to uh, drinking movies, just so people you know that are listening right now, this is not. Don't mix this up with movies that you can play drinking games too. Okay, because. Mm. This is really a movie is basically like where the like alcohol is a big part of it, let's say. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like the hangover, but, you know, 
spoiler alert, we're not talking about The Hangover. We're talking about movies where the the drink, you know, is kind of a character, I suppose you could say, or a theme, definitely, yes. running throughout all of them. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a central point in it that's revolved around booze. Um, mm. And you might have noticed that our Paddy's Day, our St. Patrick's Day episode this week, or this year, was, was kind of circled in around booze grabbers. So that's probably where the seeds were planted for this episode. <laughs> in your head. Yeah. Yeah. In my head. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because uh, often we'll come up with a, a topic for a, a, an episode and then we'll all kind of discuss, well, what are you going to watch so I don't pick that one or what have you. And I was kind of, when, when I... I very quickly kind of picked what I was going to watch, but then I was going, oh, I should really have talked about this film. Yeah, or that so film. many. There is a huge amount of movies that center around drink and, I mean, alcoholism. We could maybe talk as well a little bit about, you know, what's, what's you know, some of the films we're going to be talking about, although drink is the is the, is the a central part of the film, it's a way, I guess, to tell a story as opposed to it's not about yeah um alcohol you know yes um but uh i mean i i uh i think um cinemas like when they first started i guess when people went to like this was this was around the time of prohibition i suppose or certainly there would have like there would have been cinemas before that but when prohibition in america came in and there was this temperance movement um cinemas were seen i guess as as a great way for people not to have to go out to a bar and get mm. drunk you know so there has been this uh this uh, i suppose relationship between film and alcohol all the way through and it's funny now i guess we're at the point where like you're saying ross um maybe we don't want to see beers served in in cinemas we want to keep them mm. separate but maybe we want to see films shown in bars <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm in agreement with that as well, totally. And like, yeah, you've you've brought up an interesting point that I didn't consider at all. You know, this idea that um, you know, to to I suppose you couldn't drink, so what else can you do but go to the cinema? And I know, say a lot of people that might have been doing Dry January <laughs> got through a lot of movies, didn't they? Because they were like, <laughs> what'll I do? What'll I do it myself? And you know, there was so many, as you say, um, Noel, there was so many that I could have picked as well, um. Like uh, there was one that literally I, I was going to switch and then I thought you guys would go mad if I switched. But um, no, I, mean, I do. I always go mad when you switch at the last <laughs> you minute. You don't. Mm. You do. Yeah. Uh, but the movie starring Russell Crowe, which is um, a good year, you know, the one where he uh, inherits the vineyards. I certainly would have gone mad if you picked that one. Oh, do you know what? That's I actually I'm right. Spoiler alert. That's going to pop up as a spotlighted thing for me because it's one of those. It's one of Ross's lazy Sunday afternoon ones. I just can't resist watching it. I just love it. I think right. it's because maybe I want to own the vineyard in France. <laughs> I think we all want that. Well, yeah, not that yeah, particular vineyard because it's a bit no. shit at the start, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, like, I, well, I suppose I, I guess, like, that's that's a lovely drinking movie, isn't it? Like, yeah. that's a lovely, fluffy kind of thing. Um, I think we kind of have a good cross section of the films that we're talking about here in this episode that we're not just focusing on on the brighter side I suppose no. of drinking but so much I suppose of like I was thinking when I was thinking about the films that I didn't pick I was thinking of The Lost Weekend which is a, a black and white movie with Ray Milland which is for people who haven't seen it it's a hor- it's a horror story mm. about an alcoholic man you know uh, Days of Wine and Roses with Jack Lemmon like one of his first kind of forays into into 
quote unquote serious acting as opposed to comedy acting uh, again playing like a man who has a very complicated relationship with with alcohol um and you know there are like we talked very uh very uh briefly about it on our Meryl Streep episode Ironweed which is about her and Jack Nicholson and they just play these these characters in the depression that just you know they, they are their lives are controlled by alcohol so i mean there, there's there's a whole world out there and I think hopefully we'll leaving Las Vegas I guess as well yeah. Nicolas Cage we talked about that I um, almost picked that as well yeah right yeah yeah mm. but um, we, we have a we have a lovely cross section we have a it's not all going to be doom and gloom and you shouldn't drink and Ross this is an intervention <laughs> yeah, the last one we did in the bar wasn't as successful <laughs> right well, maybe we should kick things off then, Ross, because yours, mm-hmm. you know, before, like, uh, I know, like, Niall is, you know, getting nicely kind of mellow there. But before he, you know, just goes completely off the rails, we'll stick with chronological. And, you know, <laughs> yours yours comes up nicely as, as being the oldest one. So tell us about your one and what you made of it, because it was ages since I'd seen this one. Yes, me too. Um, and what we're talking about is 1988's Cocktail but before we get on to cocktail, oh, I thought it might be quiz time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not it's nearly very, enough pissed for this. It's a very last minute quiz, so don't worry. It's, it's a pub quiz. Research. It's a pub it's quiz. A pub, okay. It's a, it's a pub, up, pub, pub quiz. Pop up pub quiz. Say that seven times fast. Pop up pub quiz. Pop up. Yeah. There's many <laughs> famous drinks in films and many drinks have uh, become popular once again after appearing in movies. So I'm going to. I'm going to list off a couple of famous drinks from movies and you have to tell me which movie or perhaps TV show the the drink comes from or is famous for. Okay. Okay. And is this like you we have to buzz in or are you going to one of us each? I'm going to go to Niall first. Okay. Starting with an easy one. The Vodka Martini. Well, I mean, that's appeared in many movies, I'm sure, but probably best known as the tipple of choice of a, a certain super spy... Mr. Jim James to his friends. <laughs> Correct. And how does he take it? He takes it shaken, not stirred, I believe, which is the yeah. wrong way to take a vodka martini. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it should be stirred, not shaken, because I think yeah. it actually affects the... the um... It's something to do with the ice, I think, isn't it? Oh. Yes. The alcohol um, content is lower because the ice melts when you shake it. Well, you so, see, yeah. he needs but to stay on top of his game. That does kind of explain yeah. why he's not kind of he's never pissed. Yeah, mm. yeah. Sure but if enough. you if you are a connoisseur of a of a martini, then I believe it's stirred, not shaken, is the way you want it. Very correct and right. Well done, Niall. On to yourself now, Sinead. Okay. W- in which movie would you find a white Russian? Oh, you'd find that in the Big Lebowski. You would indeed. You know what? Dude's favorite drink. Do you know how to make it? Oh. Um, is it? Oh, I think it's a Tia Maria milk. Oh, no, well, that's yeah. not how the dude takes. No, it. No, no, the dude doesn't yeah. take it that way. But is it like Tia Maria? I think in like he, yeah, yeah. He and uses Kahlua instead of Tia. Maria. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know if Tia Maria made it to America. No, sure. it didn't. No. The <laughs> Irish way is Tia Maria. There's something else in it as well. It's not just it's not just milk and. You know, oh, hang on now. Hang on. In there. Oh shit! I actually don't know. What the other ingredient right, is? So you have your um, coffee liqueur. And oh, your... is it? Is it like it, it is coffee? Is it? It's a coffee well, liqueur. The, that's what. T- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the last one is. Is it ice? 
No, it gives it a bit of a kick. Well, there's ice in it as well. Oh, but yeah. it's a bit of vodka to give it a kick. Oh, vodka. Um, yeah. Oh, an extra okay. point. You know what the dude calls it? Uh, oh, does he not call it the White Russian? No. He has a little nickname for it. Oh, like probably something like fucking, I don't know, Mother's Milk or something. <laughs> no, it's not quite. Uh, Niall, do you know? No, I don't think I do. He so calls it a Caucasian. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Absolutely. Niall, on to you. And this is actually a favourite cocktail of mine. Um, Cosmopolitan. Steady on. Uh, there was a resurge in popularity um, it, because it was in a TV show, but it also features in a problematic love uh, romantic comedy as well. Um, Stop Googling, Niall. It's an old <laughs> type, 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 type. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know because I think I've shared, I've, I say shared, I think we've had <laughs> an old fashioned together, all right, and it few, appeared yeah. in Mad Men's, Mad Men, certainly. Correct. Um, yeah. But it was in a problematic scene in a film. No, not a problematic scene, but a problematic film. <laughs> it's oh, problematic, problematic in film. retrospect. Yeah. It's, a, it's crazy, stupid love. I'm so oh, yes. Oh, he loves that. Okay. He does love that. But there is a particularly good scene where Ryan uh, Gosling. And this is actually what got me onto it. I was like, that drink looks fucking delicious. Oh, when he talking. tells yeah. Steve Carell to stop drinking fucking vodka and cranberry out of his jaw. It's actually oh. after that. It's when he has Emma Stone. They're back in her in his house. And he mixes these two uh, very elaborate looking drinks. And she just schools it back after he spent about five minutes preparing it. <laughs> um, so it's that scene. So, Niall, correct him right. Mad Men uh, features the old fashioned. On to you now, Sinead. Okay. The orange whip. <sighs> Not a notion. Orange whip. The orange whip? Yes. That sounds um, like something Willy Wonka would yeah. enjoy in his Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he drinks it out of a Terry's chocolate orange globe. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a rum and vodka based frothy cocktail. And mm. it's in a very popular movie based on a Saturday Night Live sketch. Oh. I don't know if I've seen this. Oh, well, now there's not like how many are there? Yeah, that's based what I'm trying to think. Based on SNL. Do they um, have cocktails in Wayne's World? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, they made, might do, but not. Give me like a year, like an era of when this came out. Uh, like a decade. Uh, the 80s. Oh. Because, hmm. yeah, the other one I was based thinking of was the one with Will Ferrell and. I actually think it was uh, the first. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's I not have that one. It was no clue. First movie, I think, from a Saturday Night Live sketch. It's the Blues Brothers. Oh um, shit! Ah, yeah, Frank I'm not a big Andy. fan of the Blues Brothers. Really? really? No, yeah, a lot of people like that. I'm not a fan of it. No. Yeah. Right, Niall, on to you. Um, it was alluded to earlier on. Um, what movie or TV series would you find famously the Cosmopolitan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be. That would be the uh, TV series and movie series, Sex and the City. Isn't it? Correct. It's Sex and the Absolutely. City, as opposed to yeah. Sex, sex in, in the City. The city. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then so, TV series, movie series, and then TV series, which probably yes. wasn't very good. Uh, just like that, yeah. they had a cosmopolitan. <laughs> the end. <They> did. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one to you, Sinead. In which movie would you pair? fava beans with a nice <laughs> <laughs> silence of the lambs of course silence of the lambs correct and right 
That means because you missed out on one there oh, with the I Blues did. Brothers, the unfortunately, Niall just knows his booze a little better. So congratulations, Niall. <laughs> You're the drinking You're champion. lush. You're big lush. Uh, I love you guys. I love you guys. Uh, well, since as you're so well versed in cocktails there, Ross, yes. you know, it brings I, I, you nicely, doesn't it, to your choice? It does bring me nicely into the cocktail. Um, so this is a 1988 movie starring Tom Cruise, Elizabeth Shue and Brian Brown. And like yourself, Sinead, it had been a really long time since I'd seen this movie. And do you ever have this like false memory in your head of movies where you've seen it All years the ago and you're like, it's yeah it's so strange because i in my head i was i was like right this is a movie that's just going to be full of lock, like uh, rocking 80 montages you know tom cruise learned the ropes as this cocky little cocktail waiter and you know this cheeky mentor and there'd be kind of hijinks back and forth and stuff like that um and you know so in my head it was just hijinks um washy rom-com stuff cheeky montages and a good few uh you know laughs but <laughs> my memory has failed me loads because it's been years since I've seen Cocktail and sure there is some of those things in there but I'd hate to break it to anyone who hasn't seen Cocktail in a few years but it's actually quite a grim movie yeah and yeah. Uh, just so people know the timing it's uh, after Tom Cruise has his pearly whites fixed <laughs> no I don't know no because he's had a co- like certainly if you look at early Tom Cruise like early early Tom Cruise yeah. Uh, the Outsiders, I think, and Ru- is he in Rumblefish? No, it's The Outsiders. So I always mix those two up. Yeah. His teeth are better, better than that. But he famously had braces like late, like in the two thousands. Then, so mm. you know, yeah, but it's not his teeth like aren't as botched. It's not far and away teeth. <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> sorry was, yeah but far and away would be after this would be is after, it that would be the early 90s yeah. oh no hang on yeah. maybe it's his not far and away there's one there's okay. a couple of movies at the start where his teeth are absolutely well, horrific the one that I always and I think this film is is not doing itself any favours by being a very similar film to is The Colour of Money ah okay um, where he plays a young guy who gets taken under the wing of an older guy like exactly like this film yeah it's a much better film it's a sequel to uh, The Hustler uh, yeah. directed by Martin Scorsese and his teeth in that are I think all natural all oh, okay. natural that's it maybe but if you look at them in this <laughs> you can still see like he got them fixed then around the I'm not sure exactly this is if you're listening this, this is, is you're listening to the dental podcast <laughs> where we yeah. just talk about Tom Cruise's teeth because I did rewatch this and it's years since I'd seen it and I was going I like his I kind of like his teeth in this can like they are talking about Tom Cruise's teeth they are not perfect. <laughs> they are not perfect, but nothing in the world has any right to be for perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. But anyway, that's the last thing there I'm going go. to say about Tom, Tom Cruise's teeth. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you brought up the colour color of money as well, because originally I think they wanted uh, Paul Newman to uh, in the role that uh, that um, that Brian, uh, Brown. Brian Brown ended up having a kind of uh, you know getting the band back together type thing. So it would have been interesting that thing. I think Brian Brown did a, a fantastic job in it, but it would have been it's interesting that they did consider. I, Paul Newman yeah, I, I think they considered any actor who was older than Tom Cruise, <laughs> yeah. and I yeah. think um, not to kind of spoil. I, I would have liked to have seen more of Brian Brown. I think he is the highlight or one of the mm. highlights of this film. But anyway, yeah. Ross, tell us more about Cocktail. Yeah, I, I Hang really on, like sorry, Ross. Ross, one second. Sorry, I just have to take my jumper off. I have to take my headphones off. Hang on, one second. <laughs> oh, my God. She's getting the sweats. 
away over here in the edge. He's got the alcohol sweat. The alcohol is just gone to my head. There you go. Go on, go. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, uh, yeah, for for this, my memory was really, really, really failing me. I hadn't seen Cocktail in a few years. Um, Full of horrible people. Horrible people that do (laughs) terrible things. And weirdly enough, it's the people, and you must remember this, these are the people who are meant to be heroes of the movie. or Well, maybe not heroes, but they're meant to be the ones you're rooting for. Um, so a small bit about the plot. Tom Cruise plays this uh, ambitious young man called Brian Flanagan. He's fresh out of military service, and he grabs the next bus to the Big Apple. Well, actually, he gets his military pals to to stop a, a bus you know, um, uh, on its way to New York, and he hops on. So he has really dreams of becoming a, a yuppie really <laughs> is what he <laughs> wants to become and um, that's what he's destined that's what he feels his destiny is so he turns up to new york determined that he's going to be a big hot shot something or other he's not quite sure what he just knows he wants to have money and be a success story and um, he turns up to interviews both dressed like and seeming like christian bale and american psycho um, but he fails to land any job on wall street or off wall street for that matter so his dreams of making it big are seemingly going nowhere it's his lack of education and work experience that are are letting him down Um, it's like he arrived and he was like I'm here in New York ready for anything but you know uh, New York had plenty of people like that already so he is walking by uh, on on the way home he's disappointed and he's walking by a bar and he sees a help wanted sign so he goes in to inquire um, and inside he meets uh, a charismatic older bartender, Dun Co- uh, Doug Coughlin. He's played by by Brian Brown and he's all, he's like, a, <laughs> he's like um, a character described by F. Scott Fitzgerald or something. He's like this uh, Aussie who just sido babbles out these philosophies on life and stuff like that. Uh, but the young Brian Flanagan seems really to be taken by him and they and they seem to to you know spark up a friendship pretty much straight away so he begins working behind the bar and just the first night goes terrible for him anyone who has no bar experience and took up a job at a bar you know especially in a busier pub will probably remember this have any of you guys worked in the bar or nightclub or anything like that before i, I have yeah very it was a very brief stint i was a better waitress were you <laughs> Um, yeah. you, no, I worked well? worked a long time in in an Irish. Well, I say a long time when I studied in Manchester. I worked <coughs> in an Irish bar over there because if you're Irish, you could just walk in and go, "I'm Irish. This is an Irish bar. You want me here, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> that works. Um, uh, but in this bar, like he's looking over at Brian Brown, and it's not your typical. Oh, there's a pint of Heineken or whatever. And there's a a rum and coke they're doing this real fancy cocktail making where they're spinning bottles you know throwing them up in the air catching them doing little dances while they're doing it real flashy um uh you know cocktail service and the first night he does it he's not even trying that he can't keep up with any of the normal service he um he calls us like fellow bar staff bitches (laughs) and and he just feels like his first night is an absolute uh, he absolutely fails at it, but he's given the opportunity to come back again. And before you know it, he's at that level where he's spinning bottles and you know throwing Bacardi's over his head, mixing exotic drinks, and, and doing it all the while he's dancing and he's flirting like a mad joke with, with the whole bar. And <laughs> flirting like a mad joke. Flirting like a mad joke. He is though. That I mean, that when people think about this film, that is what they remember, isn't it? Yeah. Like those yeah. behind Tom Cruise uh, throwing these juggling, basically. They call it flair bartending. Yes. Don't they? Yes. But 
I mean, which I'd say I you were brilliant at, Niall. Well, I can't think of anything that would annoy me more. Oh God, than yeah. going up for for a drink and having to go listen to or watch this guy juggle stuff for it. Just, just pour, will you? Just pour me my drink. Save that stuff for the hen parties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you, when you have to work for a tip, you know what I mean? We pay workers, so, you know, it's that's America for you, you know, you really have yeah. to put on a show for it. Um, but, like, the whole time he's working there, he again, he wants to be successful. I'm not sure if he really cares how he's going to be successful, but he, he hatches a, ban, a, a plan, sorry, to open a bar with, with Doug, uh, and he says, look, we can open our own bar. They think of a really cheesy name, Cocktails and Dreams, which is the worst name for a bar I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> And that's what they kind of aim towards it. I'm not really going to go into much detail beyond that because it's, you know, it's kind of unnecessary. They get poached away from there. Things happen. I won't bother going into it. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend giving a watch. If you have seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's just Or, I mean, I would say I had seen it and forgotten kind of half of it. Yeah. Because, like, I, I thought most of it was the bartending stuff. But it takes a kind of a turn down in the second half, I suppose, of the film. I'd completely but, yeah. forgotten about the second half. Yeah. Completely forgotten about it. Uh, and you're like, oh, they go to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there's a load of weird relationship things as well. Um, it, it ends up that neither Doug or Brian are really upstanding moral characters um, that you'd want to root for. They both really have a pension. They're kind of like each other as well. And I think maybe Brian Brown is like, you know, this is what Tom Cruise could be like and say, 15 20 years if he continued yeah. on down that path maybe um so they they both have a pension for like cheating on their partners they don't really t- seem to take the commitment thing too seriously uh they kind of have these mean bets and ways of like one upping each other to prove points um just so they're kind of at loggerheads that way it's a weird ego thing where they're trying to match each other and Really, both of them, like this is a term you don't usually hear associated with with men as much, but they're both gold diggers, essentially, really. Um, like their plan is they just want to get hitched with rich women. And that's that's like kind of what their real plan is, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I, I had seen this film years ago and I think probably the same as yourself misremembered it. And rewatching it, I was shocked, I guess, at how poorly it's aged, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a lot to like about it. Primarily, mm-hmm. Brian Brown, I think, is great. And if it had been more about his relationship with the young Tom Cruise character, Brian Flanagan, um, I would have enjoyed it more. It takes a very, I will, again, if you don't want to go into it, I won't, but a very soapy turn in the second half of the, yes. of the yeah. film. Um, and it's an awful pity because like there's a lot of Elizabeth Chu is very good but she's not given much to do despite mm. the fact that she's you know and I, I this just watching it again seems to me like a film that hates women a bit yeah. as yeah. much as the guys are horrible but mm. they, it really doesn't it's like it, it watching it again I was kind of going even the most sympathetic character who I was suppose would be the Elizabeth Chu character yeah there's a reading of this where you'd kind of go, oh, she, you know, she's kind of not, she's not great either because, you know, she's not, she, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I just was going, well, and where it ends up, it's like, we might talk about this maybe a little bit about, um, yeah. you know, uh, 
these films about about drinking and alcohol and this is kind of it's like Wall Street or something like that do you know what I mean as well it's kind of just <coughs> vaguely about about bars yeah um but I don't see that relationship if there was a sequel I don't see it going well I don't see them being that it kind of has no. this scene at the end where you kind of go it's a happy ending oh it's great for everybody it's like no run away run away from this character as quickly as you can Elizabeth you know, who, I, who I saw a little bit uh, of in Tom Cruise his like I feel like if you continue going out with Elizabeth uh, Shue the relationship would have ended he would have turned into a bitter um, person but he would have continued that kind of standing on a bar chatting to people and he would have turned mm. into the character his character from Magnolia maybe <laughs> oh god oh, yeah, well, yeah. certainly I mean he, yeah. he I think you you, you put your your put the hit the nail on the head when you said he wants to be successful and he doesn't care how mm. you know it's big, and it's a big eight like end of the 80s movie where being mm. a yuppie was a big thing and wanting to be a big part of the american dream it was kind of just as things were like america was getting very rich at that stage do you know what i mean and everyone a little slice of the cake and there was a lot of people like this at the time or something it seems re- like it really well represented maybe a certain section of the population in america there at that time well yeah. the reason that he the reason he couldn't get a job on wall street was because michael j fox was getting a job in <laughs> uh, secret of my success and melanie griffith had got a job in working, working girl, girl you know what i mean yeah and charlie sheen already had a job in what you know what i mean it was a little bit it was kind of well i suppose to their, and to their credit, they actually worked in their jobs. Like we're did, saying, Tom Cruise did. is just going to coast in there. You know what I mean? He drops yeah. out of business school, the whole bit. Yeah. And his yeah. big idea was just putting bars everywhere. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah, McDonald's yeah, the bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm afraid I'm with his very stuffy business uh, school uh, lecturer who was not mm. impressed with that and gave him no. an F. But no, uh, but no, Brian Brown is brilliant, and he's a very underrated actor. I think. I mean, I would have seen him in FX and FX Two: Murder by Illusion, which, if you've <laughs> not seen them, great couple of great eighties uh, movies where he plays a special effects uh, guy who's kind of brought in to help uh, solve crimes and stuff. And mm. um, yeah, and he, he's in some terrific uh, Australian films as well. Muriel's Wedding. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's why, like, because he's the kind of guy you're like, I know him from, like, and there was two ones that stuck out to me. I remember him in Along Came Polly, that kind of inoffensive movie with Ben Siller and Jennifer Aniston from a few years ago. He's the craziest, crazy Australian. I guess who else would you be? And I remembered <laughs> him from Gorillas in the Mist as well. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah but, like, he's one of those guys you go, like, I know him from loads of stuff and you can't quite put your finger on it. You definitely know him from Cocktail. Um, but this, this is a movie as well. Not well. I in my head, I had it as being like this big smash hit, and I suppose financially it was. It did really well financially. I think it was like the eighth um, highest grossing movie of that year or something. But the critics just ripped this apart at the time. Mm. I, I in my head, I thought it was well considered, but no, it's like a seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and you know it won a couple of Golden Raspberry Awards as well. It it like they were saying a lot of the critics at the time were saying the movie was really shallow and they it, they were saying it was wasting kind of tom cruise talents and you must remember as well jesus of course this was a time 1988 when um we were talking about kind of the start of well the starting the starting points maybe of the of uh tom cruise's mega stardom like he was in 
um, the same that same year he starred alongside Dustin Hoffman and Rainman. Uh, as we said, he was also in The Colour of Money two years previously, a year 1986, where he also starred in Top Gun. Uh, the following year, 1989, he'd been born uh, born on the 4th of July. So it's, you know, it was a very, very successful time for Tom Cruise, which really pushed him into mega stardom. So maybe that's why it was such a big hit, despite being so poorly received by critics. But it seems to me like, if I think of Tom Cruise in the 80s, I think of you know, him playing beach volleyball. I think of, you know, him sliding out the door in risky biz or sliding uh, along the hall in risky business. And I think of him throwing Bacardi balls around in cocktail. It's just part of him. And maybe it was because he was such a mega star at the time, but it seems like it is soaked somewhat into the, into the kind of culture at the time. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's, I, I don't want to say iconic, but it seems like it has a real part, um, in, well, yeah, I agree in in terms of it, it. Kind of, it is iconic in terms of his career. Like, if you were looking back at his career, you know, say for example, if he was being given a lifetime achievement award, you'd imagine, you know, him doing all the tricks with the the drinks would probably be included in a montage there somewhere. You know, yeah. um, mm. in terms of that. Uh, but like you say, I I kind of I hadn't seen it in ages and ages as well. So dug it out and like that I kind of thought not so much that it was like like praised by critics but I thought it was you know like one of these oh you know you must kind of see this it's a great Tom Cruise kind of movie and like that I completely forgot how much of a dick character he is that doesn't it tries to kind of redeem him but then it doesn't really work I don't know I think that whole last act of the movie just doesn't work at all uh to be honest with you um and like you say I do think um you know Douglas Brown's uh, or Brian. What's his name? His name Brian is Douglas. And, uh, Douglas in it, isn't it? Doug in it or something? Yeah. Doug, yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's the better character, really. I think you know he's kind of the the kind of has a bit more going for him, you know. And I liked I liked kind of when the two of them were together on screen. Um, and like you rightly say, Noel, yeah, the women are just kind of. <laughs> eye candy really throughout this whole thing um, I, I think even worse than that like they're not none of them like even say Gina Gershon who has a small part uh, in the start of this film uh, no not the start but you know she, she, she was like oh I kind of forgot she was in this at all mm. and none of them kind of come out like good people no you know what I mean no. and it's the fault of the movie as opposed yeah. to any of the performers or actors um, yeah about the, them being like eye candy as well but I forgot at the time as well sure at this stage Tom Cruise was seen as like a heartthrob and eye candy yeah do you know so like it's like him like all the girls coming on to him and flirting with him sure of course he was seen as like a bit of a Zac Efron at the time or something do you know what I mean yeah and it's, it's yeah so I, I, I guess it's it's, it's it's the thesis of the film which is he's the handsome guy that women are throwing themselves at and not even kind of the, the actors who have lines but there's so <laughs> many shots of women on the other side of the bar just giving him the big eyes and you just go no he's gonna he's beating these women off with a stick and then it's like well that's his superpower and his idea of how to uh, capitalize on his superpower is to get them to bed and get them for everything that they can give him and nearly it's like you know there's a twist when with the elizabeth shoe character you kind of think, oh, halfway through, you kind of feel like, uh, oh, they're, oh, this is a real relationship. He's he's actually growing, whatever, and that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's a kind of twist about her, and by the end of it, you're going to go, 
Yeah, you're a bad one, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like a fairy tale twist that you heard where ends up he wasn't a poor print or a poor uh, like um i don't know stable boy at all he was actually a prince all along <laughs> that kind of thing and you're like oh that is a weird yeah, yeah that's a weird thing there um i, I, I will say um it's speaking about misremembering as well in my head there was a scene in this movie where tom cruise is learning the trade and it's a montage of him throwing bottles and catching them but it's not in the movie at all. He doesn't drop one bottle in this movie. Right. What's that from? I think I know what the, the th- I think I know what you're talking about. Was that like I've seen that as something where there where he's like or is that maybe some other movie trying to be cocktail? Maybe. That we're just planting Tom Cruise the in there. Mandela effect it sounds like. You know it what the Mandela, Mandela effect, effect is, yeah. I so do. it's just and you misremember actually, things yeah. and believe that it's that it's true. There's a really good another example of uh, the Mandela effect with a Tom Cruise movie, and I'd say you probably know this, Niall, because you're talking about the Mandela effect. But Sinead, do you know that scene in Risky Business where he slides across the ha- hallway and there's a song playing? I can't remember the name of the song. Can you tell me what Tom Cruise was wearing at the time? He's in a shirt, Bob, isn't he? Bob Seger song. He's in a shirt. Let's take and those socks. old records no? off the shelf. Yeah. What else yeah. is he wearing? Sunglasses? No. No, he's not wearing sunglasses. Not wearing sunglasses in that scene. And everyone who dresses up for it for Halloween. Oh, because of the cover, the front cover of the, of the cover, DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not wearing sunglasses in that. And I, a hundred percent remember him wearing sunglasses in that scene. But it's, as Niall said, it's the Mandela effect. Oh, it is. Yeah, interesting. And it's uh, old time rock and roll. Bob Seger and the Silver oh. Bullet Band. Um, yes. Uh, one question, well, two yeah. questions before we finish with cocktail. So I just want to put this on the record. So your montage of Tom Cruise's finest performances are him in his underwear sliding across the floor, <laughs> him topless playing volleyball, and him looking lovingly across the bar at you as he serves you a cocktail. Is that correct? Hey, there's, <laughs> hey, there's also a scene where he goes, you complete me <laughs> <laughs> oh beautiful and what would you pair cocktail with if you're going we're going to watch cocktail tonight this is what's on the the drinks menu what would you say is a good drink to have with cocktail you know what he mixes some delicious looking cocktails in it but i would say it would have to be something um with rum in it um, mm. and with fruit sticking out for of the it, caribbean yeah lovely yeah, i yeah. think so i'm not sure what I, exactly that drink is but <laughs> yeah I think uh, I think this film rewatching it made me want to have the red eye, which they have quite a bit in this film, which oh, is yes. beer and vodka and tomato <laughs> juice and a raw egg. This is oh, the hangover God, cure. No. Yeah, and like after yeah. watching this film, I just needed so so I felt like I had a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice to rewatch it. It, it was, was and nice remember to maybe, uh, and I think it's a testament <laughs> to you know whatever about Tom Cruise as a person, but it's a testament to his charisma as a performer mm-hmm. that we remember this film being better than it actually is. Yes, oh, and to be fair, we were criticizing kind of Tom Cruise. His character is not great, but I think Tom Cruise is good in this. I feel he's very magnetic, and you mm-hmm. kind of like you get the idea of like I can see why Tom Cruise was a as big a deal as he was especially at that time oh yeah yeah and like you say it's it's the character not him you know what i mean absolutely mm. um 
So moving on from your sugary, you know, over the top <laughs> drinks with the twicks and the twists and all that crack. We're going for something now much more refined. You know what I mean? We're moving mm. to 2004 and sophistication. <laughs> Did we see the same film? Shush now, Niall. The movie I picked is the exactly the kind of movie that we need after cocktail, okay? <laughs> and I picked this and I think um, that this movie would accurately, I think, betray you and Ross if you went on a stag weekend. Niall, <laughs> you are definitely Paul Giamatti, Miles, the middle-aged man, uh, trying desperately to impart some culture and sophistication on Ross. Ross, you were 100% Jack uh, Thomas Hayden Church's character, character, essentially just trying to get his hole. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the entire movie. Yeah. I'm uh, okay I lo- with that. I'd rather be him than Paul G. Matty. <laughs> I love the tagline oh, of this. I, th- I, think, I think Ross has also missed the entire point of this film. <laughs> I love the, the tagline in this. In search of wine, in search of women, in search of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2004's movie Sideways by Alexander Payne, uh, the guy behind uh, movies like The Descendants, about Schmidt, Election, many, many more great movies. And and um, it's a movie about friendship, maybe, <laughs> upcoming weddings and lots and lots of wine and kind of finding yourself as well. Do you know what I mean? Finding yourself in amongst the, the Napa Valley. Uh, and just to, you know, play Nile in this uh, little scenario here, the title of the film Sideways, apparently, is symbolic of the best way in which wine bottles should be preserved by being laid on its side in order to age properly. You see, Ross, you're learning some things already. (laughs) Um, This was hugely uh, critically acclaimed at the time, nominated for and won many, many awards, uh, Sideways, directed by Alexander Payne. And it's, um, as I say, you know, a tale about male friendship, how to deal with midlife problems, finding love and purpose sort of during difficult times in your life. And it centres on two middle-aged men who are very close friends. So we have Miles Raymond, played by Paul Giamatti, and Jack Cole, uh, played by Thomas Hayden Church, and they decide that they're going to take a week-long bachelor's um, uh, trip up to wine country of Napa Valley in California to celebrate Jack's upcoming wedding and the end of his very, very long life as a single man. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, they're, they're both at that sort of middle-aged kind of time and you know they have this kind of sinking feeling that the best part of their lives is behind them but they they kind of start off you know on this trip full of hope um but before the trip basically just to give you a little background on the characters so Miles is in quite a depressive state. Uh, he's uh, he feels like a failed writer. He's had um, uncertain kind of um, you know future ahead of him because he's got this yet to be published book. The day after yesterday, it's called. Uh, he also. <laughs> He also it's has, a sequel to the day after tomorrow. Yeah. He also has a steady job as a high school English teacher. Um, and he just feels so unfulfilled by his life and kind of wants to achieve this greater success as a novelist, but has just yet to kind of get his break. On top of all that, he's gone through a divorce and he's not recovered from that. And he is single and he is hating his life as a single man. Um, luckily, or maybe unluckily for Miles, he has a friend, Jack, who's hoping... Uh, to have a good time for his last uh, few days as a single man so we have Jack Cole uh, he's an actor who's definitely past his prime although he kind of thinks he just might be past his prime uh, he used to be a TV soap opera uh, star but now he's kind of you know relegated to kind of doing voiceovers for silly commercials and he's kind of you know 
really at the end of his career in terms of acting. Um, he does love his fiance, I think, um, but has the problem of not being able to kind of control himself when it comes to women. So unlike Miles, Jack is not a big wine connoisseur. He's kind of more into playing golf and he wants to kind of hook up with women essentially before he takes the, the big steps down the aisle. Um, he's hoping to kind of not screw up the marriage, do you know what I mean? But uh, he obviously kind of misses uh, the single life whilst his friend Miles just absolutely loads the fact that he's single again um so jack is essentially a bit of a dick he's a commitment phobe who just kind of wants to to marry have security and go you know he'll, he'll fall into this real estate business with with the father-in-law kind of thing um beyond just writing novels and, and teaching his students miles though his true passion in life is wine and this is maybe where we get to kind of what you were alluding to a little bit earlier on nile because you know, there's this kind of fine line between, you know, he's using his love of wine and his like, um, he loves to kind of educate Jack at every turn about wine and the correct way to drink it and the correct to pro- uh, accompaniment and all this kind of stuff. But this guy's like, no, talking about movies. Yeah, this <laughs> guy <laughs> is full on just short of drinking wine for breakfast. Like he's he's. He's getting there. If he keeps going yeah. down this path, he's going to really have a serious well, we problem. Kind of, you know, we kind of meet him. I don't know if it's the first scene, but you know, he's he's woken up because he has to move his car. Yes, and he's late, and it's like, oh, I was at a tasting last night. Yeah, you were at a tasting, but you were you tasted far too much, man. Yeah, yeah, it is that thing. Yeah, and you have to leave your car behind. You know, that kind of goes against the whole kind of idea of of a tasting. Like you say, yeah, it is. It's an early scene, you know. Um, so Jack or Miles, sorry, is kind of. You know, he wants to escape all this kind of crap in his life, you know, about is the novel going to make it, you know, his students, you know, his life as a teacher, you know, I mean, he's he's living this kind of humdrum existence, the single life, you know, he's he's um he's not quite going to the bar, as you say, every night to kind of drain his sorrows, but he's going to tastings. So it's OK, you know, <laughs> um, so uh, they, they head off and uh, they head to, to Napa Valley to, to drink some wine, play some golf and eat some good food together. That's what Miles is kind of hoping for. Now, Jack does enjoy all these activities, but he has a lot more plans in mind for his last days as a single guy, leading to hilarious and disturbing results for both of them. Um, so Jack wants one last fling as a single guy before he becomes a husband and kind of a straight-laced guy. Uh, in the meantime, Miles encounters a woman that he never expected to meet. So we're introduced. No, I think he did expect to meet her. Well, not in this way. I don't. Think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are introduced to Maya, played by Virginia Madsen, and she is this, you know, kind, intelligent waitress at the local restaurant known as the Hitching Post Two, and she's somebody that Miles has encountered before during solo trips to Napa Valley, and you know they're friendly to each other. However, it's only on this bachelor's trip uh, where Miles, with the help of Jack's kind of support in this, gets to know her best. So Jack is kind of going, oh, you know, what's going on here? She's, you know, she digs you, man, and all this kind of stuff. Whereas Miles kind of thinking, oh, she's just doing her job. She's just being polite or whatever. However, it is clear that, you know, he has, you know, an interest in her. So they they hit it off and uh, they have this, you know, obviously mutual 
love of good wine and uh, luckily for Jack Maya knows a local uh, wine uh, keeper played by Stephanie uh, Stephanie sorry is her name played by uh, Sandra O. Oh, and she has a lot of the characteristics that Jack likes in a woman you know she's very kind of um, spontaneous and kind of you know wild like him kind of thing uh, so the two of them end up going on a date and they hook up uh, with both women but with kind of unforeseen and different consequences so of course Jack's adulterous philandering uh, you know almost kind of catches up with him and causes Miles a lot of unneeded stress Uh, Miles also suffers during the trip uh, from the lack of hope uh, for his novel Um, you know he kind of gets there's a great scene actually I'm going to play you a bit of this because uh, there's so many scenes in this movie where Paul Giamatti goes off the rails it's not the scene where he says nobody better order fucking Merlot he's walking out the door if they order that not that one everyone knows that one but there's another great scene uh, towards the final kind of act of the movie where he gets a call from his publisher and you know you get the impression that this publisher you know she's trying to do her best for poor El Miles but this novel is just not easy to market and she's kind of trying to soften the blow so she calls him up and tells him that yet another publishing house has has rejected it uh, sorry I think she's his agent actually she's agent um, so he, he he takes the call and of course he needs a drink but they're at a tasting bar you know what I mean so all you can have is the little thimblefuls of, of wine that they give you so let's just say Miles doesn't take this too well and here's a bit of that scene for you so what's happening there's still no word huh well actually there is word um I spoke to Keith Gersman this morning right and and they're passing conundrums passing he said they really liked it they really wanted to do it but but they just couldn't figure out how to market it he said it was a really tough call cases in the business right now a, a, a fabulous book with no home the whole industry's gotten gutless it's not about the quality of the books anymore it's only about the marketing excuse me can i get the uh, pour down here sure. there's a uh, special on the syrah by the case hit me again Excuse me, could you just pour me a full glass? I'll pay for it, okay? Sir, this is a winery, not a bar. Oh, just give me a full goddamn pour. Excuse me. Why don't you buy a bottle and go outside? <laughs> what are you doing? I told you I need a drink, so I'm gonna help myself, okay, pal? Go the fucking glass, fucker! How's that? Oh, oh, buddy, oh, buddy. It's okay. Get him out of here. Thanks a lot. It's okay. His uh, his mother just died. That's a a really great scene. Yeah. uh, 
really disgusting <laughs> as well. Yeah, it is a really gross scene. He just downs himself in the actual spit bucket, and it's just you know he he loses he loses his marbles completely. Um, and but there's there's this is where I suppose the the next or the other layer of this movie kind of comes into play because really this is about kind of men opening up to each other, you know, about their lives, about kind of what's going on with them really, which um you know is always kind of something interesting I think to to watch on screen and particularly between these two characters which you don't really think that they will have this kind of heartfelt you know kind of moment but uh jack even though he is i suppose a bit of a a cad a bit of a sort of fun loving guy who's not you know you're not you're not kind of expecting him to be this kind of comforting shoulder to to miles which he is in his own way you know i know miles is kind of rolling his eyes at him and he's kind of saying oh jesus you know whatever he says but he is this it is kind of this nice tender moment where miles kind of breaks down and he kind of you know essentially now he does it in a kind of a light-hearted way but essentially he kind of says i was going to top myself like essentially you know because i'm not getting anywhere as a writer and you know i may as well you know but i can't even do that because i'm not like sylvia platt or you know all these amazing uh writers that have been you know at least published before they topped themselves kind of thing um so there's this really kind of moment in the movie where you're kind of going jesus it kind of it kind of jolts you out of this you know because up until this point it's been kind of you know you've got a bit of drama in the in the the antics of jack but there's a good bit of comedy there like in the clip that i've just played there is more comedy to come as well um as as the movie goes on but there's this kind of moment there where you know they have this lovely kind of almost brotherly moment with each other where look man you know just hang in there keep it going don't don't give up on yourself like you know you, you, you can do this um and I, th- I don't want to kind of reveal sort of too much for for people who didn't see it but um he learned something as well about his ex-wife Vicky and um <laughs> talking about the comedy though towards the the next uh scenes after this because Jack being Jack you know he um decides to hook up with a with a married waitress <laughs> there's just a mental scene now, basically... in fairness in fairness to jack he didn't know that she was married he didn't, he didn't until know. her husband now we don't see any of this <laughs> until her husband comes in yeah. and you get the you get the feeling as well that the husband like not that he was happy to find jack there but that you know this was a little thing it's not the first time this has happened maybe, yes in yes. this marriage Yes. Um, it's weird. It's funny. Now, I mean, maybe we'll we talk about it at the end, but I, because of the placement of this scene, I felt, although you kind of, you're saying how, how, you know, how it was this a lovely moment of connection. I really felt watching it again that Jack is just like, he just knows how to charm people and say well, what they need to hear. And then when can I get my hold? It's well, there is a bit, there is a, a bit of that, I think. But yeah. I, I think you know that's the cynic in you, Niall. I think you well, know. I mean, it's yeah. not only I, that, but what happens with the car and everything else, and he's well, quite see, happy to lie, lie, lie all the I way. Like I don't think he lies to Miles to really too much, though. Like as in, he'll yeah. lie to get him to a scenario, <laughs> but then he'll reveal what it is. I think, I think the, he knows Jack's ways. You know, to, it, it, it'd be easy just to kind of say, 
Oh, this Jack the, the card, you know, the I mean? eye rolling comes in. But I mean, it is what I do think. It's a great example of um, some. You know, you you sometimes you end up with friends that maybe you shouldn't be friends with. <laughs> well, if that makes sense. Mm. Now I don't know because Miles. I don't know who he has if he doesn't have Jack. Yes, I know? don't think he has anyone. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, I think like you talk about couples therapy. Those two need to be. Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. And like there's a there's a lovely another like great example because, you know, it'd be easy again on the surface to kind of go, oh, Miles is just, you know, prickly and miserable and he's a bit depressing and he's fucking full of shit with whatever he talks about with wine or whatever. But when he's with Maya uh after they go out for dinner and they end up going back to stephanie's place and of course stephanie and jack hook up together and these two are kind of left as <laughs> the oh our friends are hooking up what'll we do kind of moment mm-hmm. but they have a re- there's a real tenderness he can be charming it's a beautiful it's a beautiful you know, scene that one yeah, it really is and yes he's awkward but there's something kind of of a lost puppy dog you want to care of uh, care for about him you know i i i i think and you're really sort of rooting for these two but again it doesn't go the way that you're thinking it's going to go you know it's uh it's it's kind of up and down and it's this kind of you know miles needs to get his fucking shit together if he wants to actually make this work with maya you know she doesn't have time for his depressive kind of you know loser way of going on he needs to kind of you know get his big boy pants on now do you know what i mean i also think that um one of the reasons that it doesn't like it's going very well for them yes and it's because of jack basically that well jack gives it the the rail well jack gives him the initial nudge and then he does derail him he does um but you see this is the the beauty it is the odd couple isn't it we've seen this Mm. kind of time and time again in different movies it's the buddy movie but it's the you know the annoying friend who's kind of derailing miles but then on the other hand in Jack's world, Miles is cock blocking him at every fucking turn. Do you know what I mean? He's going, going because he's going Miles to go. wants to connect with his friend for his, you know, this is our week together. This is my gift to you before you get married. You're marrying a beautiful woman. You're getting everything you ever wanted. Okay, maybe you don't won't be able to be a soap actor anymore, but you know we're going to play golf. We're going to drink wine. We're going to have a great time. And Jack just wants to, you know. You see, I was right. It's Nile and Ross. Sideways. Oh, yes, Nile and is. Ross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you look, it's it's beautifully written. I should say as well, it's based on um a novel as well. Uh, I forgot to say that the start is based on a novel by Rex Rex Pickett. Rex Pickett's novel and it's adapted really well. It's um really brilliantly acted i mean the two main characters obviously are incredible but the women this who played the supporting role sandra o and virginia madsen they are fantastic it just works so so well the the whole thing of course you know napa valley looks incredible the wine is begging to be tasted it just looks so enticing as well there's a great just not, the, not, not the spit bucket though not the spit bucket, bucket. <laughs> the uh, and it's up there it's up there in 1001 films it's 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 a yeah, new classic of american mm-hmm. cinema as critics yeah. called it which i think is now, a, it's you, a great... you were going to mention the soundtrack there because i wasn't re-watching it i wasn't a huge fan of it i found that it veered sometimes between almost too comedic it was nearly like you're watching a sitcom you know what i mean does that make sense yeah no i thought i thought it was good given the the because it is like think of it like it's ludicrous when he's trying to get Mm. the wallet back it's ludicrous when he goes on a fucking (laughs) 
rampage in the golf course. And it's in the, you know, between, like a lot of uh, zany, kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. zany stuff and this really heartfelt drama. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. It really is though. It's it's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, 100% check it out sideways from 2004 and definitely have a nice Pinot Noir when you're, when you're watching this. <laughs> yes. Well, I was just going to say, what, what would you pair it with? But you've answered that. Oh God, other, Miles would other, only approve yeah. of a Pinot Noir. He would. And, uh, you can pair the that other... with a nice burger in a fast food restaurant. Oh God, yeah, if you want to be like Jack. From... <laughs> well, no, that's what <laughs> Miles good. does, doesn't it? With his... <laughs> yeah. with his, uh, his the one that he saved from his wedding. Yeah. He, he goes and drinks that. Oh, and that's it, right. Sad. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the other question is, because we asked this, we don't think Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue are going to last. Are Jack and Catherine, I think is her, his wife's name. Are they going to last? Oh, um, I think he will 100% cheat on him, but she'll cop on and probably cheat on him as well. But they'll remain happily married what? to each other. Yeah, they will remain happily married to each other, but cheat. Yeah, at the same time. He definitely seems like the kind of person who'd be divorced now. Yeah, I think so. I think really? I agree with Ross. And what about, about Miles and Maya? Ma- Miles He'd and Maya. Maybe I... every eight, eight months, drunk, just saying. <laughs> oh yeah, he's definitely cheating on her when she gets pregnant. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, Miles and Maya, I would have more optimism for. I think. Maybe. Yes, but I don't think it'll be you know straight laced I, I i don't think i think he'll move to napa valley he'll give up the teaching he'll move to napa valley he'll work <laughs> in one of the things and he'll still be trying to write a novel but that his life will be all the richer that my for having her in it yeah well do you know how you can find out is oh, because no. uh rex what was his name pickett rex pickett yeah he wrote a sequel <gasps> and self-published it called horizontal Oh, and um, Alexander Payne really. has said, "No, I'm serious." Alexander Payne has said uh, he has no interest in <laughs> oh, wow. turning it into a into a, a film. So maybe it's one of these things best left. Best you know, leave best, it. Best yeah. left sideways and not horizontal. Uh, I love it. Uh, so that brings us now up to yourself, Niall. And this is something I'd never heard of, even though I uh, I do like Ken Loach. And do you know what? It's one of those. He's one of those directors where. I really need to just kind of get a load of his movies and watch them because I haven't, I've only really seen, you know, a couple of his, but I hadn't heard of this one. Yeah, this is The Angel's Share from 2012. And this, uh, I think is, I I don't want to say an outlier. When people think of Ken Loach, they think of very gritty, very realistic, very social dramas. Mm. And this, I would say, is a comedy heist movie, but still has all of the fingerprints of a Ken Loach film. Uh, that you would expect you know and this stars uh, mostly I would say a non-professional cast of actors Paul Brannigan uh, Gary Maitland Jasmine Riggs and William William Ruan and then it does have uh, more well-known actors John Henshaw who people would know from various things on TV and um, another actor whose name I can't remember so we'll we'll just move on but uh, it it tells the story of Robbie played by Paul Brannigan who is a, a soon to be father who narrowly avoids a prison sentence for an incident of grievous bodily harm and is sentenced instead to community payback which is essentially community service along with Mo Rhino and Albert and they are under the supervision of Harry, played by John Henshaw. He's a middle-aged, working-class Mancunian. And very quickly, Robbie and Harry forge a bond when Robbie gets the word that... Uh, or Harry, I should say, gets the phone call that Robbie's partner is in labour. 
So they all rush off to the maternity ward to meet his new son, but it does not go well. Robbie's significant other's family, specifically her father, they're not thrilled to welcome him into the bosom of the family um, and beat him up in the hospital. Uh, but Hab Harry and Robbie decide to mark the birth of this newborn with a glass of single malt. Have either of you seen this film, I should ask first? No. No. Okay. Seen. Shame on you. Shame on both of you. <laughs> all right. Because, I again, I kind of don't want to talk too much about it because i really think you would really enjoy it um but anyways but i will talk a lot about it because it's my pick for this for this episode <laughs> and i would urge anybody to go out and see it uh it's the angel's share it's a, it's a fantastic film so robbie we find the first kind of time we meet him is in court and we meet all of these characters in court being sentenced to community payback and uh, we find out very quickly that he's determined to go straight and he's going to be a good father to this newborn despite the fact that the odds are stacked against him he has a history of violence uh, he has a scar on his face that he says basically he can't get a job because of it because they take one look at him and, and they go well you're, you're a Ned as they'd say in, in Glasgow and he has his girlfriend's brutal father who's determined to get him out of town and have let him have nothing to do with this new baby whether it's by force or by bribery <clears throat> but what we end up is not a dour tale of social realism as you might expect uh, about one man's search for redemption but it's it's like I say it's a comedy heist film so we have this group of four offenders uh, and Harry who takes a shine to them and he takes them off. Basically, they've been painting community centres, they've been cleaning cemeteries and as a kind of a well done when their community service comes to an end, he takes them on a tour of a whiskey distillery and then he takes them to a whiskey tasting in Edinburgh and while they're off on this uh, uh, whiskey tasting, uh, it's discovered that Robbie has a natural nose for, for whiskey. Uh, and it leads basically to not only a new vocation for him, uh, but also a return to crime and ultimately, not to spoil the end, his redemption. Um, at this tasting in Edinburgh, they hear about this hugely valuable cask of whiskey that's going to be auctioned off at a Highland distillery. And Robbie puts into motion a very, very low tech heist. Basically, if you're looking for Ocean's, Ocean's 12, this is Ocean's 1. <laughs> um, but what this heist will do it will give the group the nest egg that they need to kind of put their, their lives uh, back on track so we have you know just like the usual suspects we have this group of criminals brought together by chance uh, we also have I think callbacks to another great movie that I nearly spoke about in this uh, in this episode uh, called Whiskey Galore which was from 1949 which is about a, uh, a boat carrying a cargo of, of whiskey that uh, basically uh, sinks off the coast of a, a Scottish island and all the islanders just take all the whiskey and it's all about that and it's a great film if you've not seen it um, like I say as you would expect from Ken Loach there is politics underlying this and social issues underlying this uh, but it is a very very funny very warm hearted very deftly plotted film and like all of the best heist movies we really want these criminals quote unquote to succeed and get one over on the man we care for them in a way that we I, I would argue that we don't care for Ocean Danny Ocean and his other 11 friends uh, or tw 10 friends is it 10 and then 11 and then 12 he keeps adding friends to he does. It. He's um, a friend. but he does um, 
the the name of this, I mean, you very uh, very well explained, uh, Sinead, there to people why Sideways is called Sideways. The name of this film, The Angel's Share, it, it is a term that's explained in the movie, and that refers to 2% of whiskey that evaporates in the cask mm -hmm. every year. So every year, 2% of the whiskey just uh, disappears. Um, and what we have here is not just, I think... The name is not just about that two percent that disappears every year in these in these casks that go for for millions and millions of pounds. You know, you you see one of these auctions where you have um, people bidding from all over the world trying to get their hands on this very rare uh, malt whiskey. Uh, but not only that, but it's it's the idea, I suppose, that like. These these people are are on the bot like not even the lower one percent. These characters, you know what I mean. They are underneath that, um, and it's it's how this two percent that disappears that means nothing really in the grand scheme of things because it it's uh, it's not real. Um, that that can just be the defining thing that could change somebody's life in the case of these characters, and it's a metaphor, I suppose, for generosity and gratitude it sounds a bit like the parole officer that movie with steve coogan from a few years back no it's i mean it's maybe i'm overplaying the comedy it's very mm. funny but it's very real ah, like the parole officer is much more slapstick you know yeah, yeah. um yeah but i would absolutely recommend it i mean shame on you shame on you both of you why am i doing <laughs> a film podcast with you you guys? hate when we watch it normally and oh, that's not why at you all. Know, I always encourage No, it. you always say, I'm not telling you my pick till the night. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. That does <laughs> So now you conditioned us. Oh, we better not watch it. <laughs> that's my excuse. <laughs> that's my excuse. No, you've you've definitely sold it. You've definitely sold it because like I say, I, I like for my shame, I haven't seen an awful lot of Ken Loach movies at all. Like I really haven't. And um, you know, this sounds like a great one. And when you said twenty twelve, because I wasn't sure, like, you know, was he still making movies? You know, I wasn't Oh yeah, sure. and he's made a couple of crackers since this. Like, okay. I think he was seventy two when he directed this. And since then he's made one called Sorry We Missed You, which I would also recommend. That's about kind of the gig economy. Um and another one was I Daniel Blake? I Daniel Blake, I think, was after this as well. Okay. Um, which is a, an amazing film. Like, but now more Gracie. hard, heart wrenching. I suppose those two. This one is. Um, it's a it's a lovely reminder. I suppose that if you go through Ken Loach's filmography, mm. although they all have, like I say, these the his fingerprints on them. You know, what yeah. I mean? they have this uh, very committed, very social agenda agenda maybe is not the right word but you know he wants to he wants to show i suppose people in film that you're not necessarily going to see if you go to the multiplex and especially i suppose the fact that this has a predominantly a, a cast of non-professional actors in it um mm. you know you really get that sense that these are real real people um but the, it, it, looking through his filmography you kind of you're reminded that he has kind of everything in it you know what i mean he, yeah he had this is a, a comedy heist movie you could talk about kind of the war movies that he's made you yeah. know about the spanish civil war and the wind of shakes of barley yeah. um you could nearly say jimmy's hall is a musical you know what i mean it's uh 
he he is a great filmmaker and uh i would encourage everybody to watch as many of his movies as they can uh like he's he's so this was 2012 i think he was 72 so he's you, know, you wonder how many movies he has left in him but i wouldn't be surprised if he has another one up his sleeve excellent and you've just kind of sparked like maybe we should do a ken loach episode because he's oh, probably, so you know, like just when you're even, I'm just googling as you're talking there, just the, the the movies. Like, you know, you're you're saying the titles, and I know that I've heard those titles, but I don't know. Does like some of his work, apart from obviously, you know, works like The Wind That Shakes the Barley, and um, did he do Lady Bird? Is that him as well? No, did he do that? Um, but not the Saoirse Ronan. La- Lady Lady Bird. Lady Bird. I yes. Think. Um, and uh, yeah like I mean like and obviously people will know Kez but like you know it's I don't know do they kind of skim under the radar sometimes are they kind of seen as being not very mainstream let's say yeah I mean I think people who like his films will seek them out yeah and seek them out yeah and it's I think okay like I mean I'd say probably like the wind that shakes the barley was a big I've seen Maybe Sweet in, Sixteen now that I'm sorry that yeah. I'm Googling. I saw that in the Art Centre. That's excellent, actually. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it, I mean, Dread Art Centre really in this town um, is where you would, I guess. See. Yeah. I know they certainly showed Sorry We Missed You, which is from 2019. Um, but yeah, it is It is a case of fans will seek him out. But uh, apart from, say, The Wind That Shakes the Barley and yeah. possibly Jimmy's Hall in this country, I don't know how wide of a theatrical release they would have gotten. Yes, yes. Okay, we might have to delve into the to the world of Ken Loach in another episode. Um, we okay. might have to do a full episode where Niall shames Sinead and, and Ross for the films that they've not seen. Well, list, or let's make it more interesting. Let's to. shame you for some yeah. of the, you know, because, you know, there are a few, I'm sure, that you haven't seen. I'm No mm, doubt there's a maybe. couple of gems in there. Um, but uh, but speaking of films uh, that you should be shamed that you've not seen. Ah, uh, look at that. Great segue. 1,001 films to see before we kill you. Mm. Well, I've seen it now, so I, I'm no longer ashamed. Nor should I be. Good. <laughs> what are we talking about, Ross? You're in the firing line. I am. It's, uh, I, it's, it's my go for 1,001 movies to watch before you die with a hangover and um, <laughs> went very cultured this this week um we went for a foreign language movie mm. and yes it was based on a nile suggestion um so it's, i'm not sure if it's that cultured because it is about binge drinking um <laughs> and it features so, the man from the carlsberg ads it does <laughs> yes yeah. it does and actually do you know i hadn't realized this but um Mad Milk. We're of course referring to Mad uh, Milk. Uh, Mickelson. Mickelson. Yeah. Um. And and the movie is not around from 2020. It's a Danish movie, uh, and I hadn't realised how big drinkers Danish people were. Um. Like there was a there was a, a kind of a survey. So there's loads of different ways that they measure like drinkers in the world and stuff like that, and how much alcohol they consume but there was a study last year and it was a survey so it might be the most scientific version of it but I found that uh, people from Denmark were the second biggest drinkers in the world um, Ireland was number seven <laughs> but but like <laughs> I hadn't realised it was such a big thing I, 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 I guess I had assumed that the more kind of Scandinavian or Nordic countries were much more responsible no <laughs> yeah. I, I like hello you lived with a guy from Sweden that could like yeah. definitely drink a person under the table 
Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, actually, that's true. We used to drink a lot. It's, of the, it's the short, uh, the or the you know the short days and the long nights. Yeah, yeah. What do they call it? Uh, there's a great word. What do they call it? Um, oh, it means like warmth and coziness, huga or huga or something. I don't know. Anyway, forget that. <laughs> Sorry, Swedish fans. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we let you down. Um, so anyway, another round is a Danish. Black comedy drama, maybe, would be the best way of describing it. And as we we, we said, it stars everyone's favorite day in Mads Mikkelsen. Um, the movie we're we're Mads about Mads. Yeah, Mads about Mads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, the the movie in Danish is called Druk or Druk. Speak Danish, which I thought just meant drunk, but it actually just means binge drinking. And that's what this movie is is all about. To give you a little bit of idea about what this the plot of this movie is Mickelson he plays a, a teacher called Martin who's clearly like a character in Sideways maybe going through a bit of a midlife crisis um, and he's he, a teacher <laughs> and he's a teacher yeah mm. and um, I suppose he's a bit more stability than the lads had in their life like he has a wife and two children but he's worried that he's gotten really boring he seems to have very little connection with his two kids or teenagers and the romance and kind of spark, I suppose, uh, seems to have fallen out of his marriage. As well as that, he actually, you know, like Paul Giamatti's character, he's he doesn't really have much grow for his his job. He works as a, as a history teacher in the local secondary school. I think he applied in the past to become a lecturer, uh, but it hadn't really worked out for him. And he kind of had the sense that he missed the boat, really. And he this is kind of this is his lot now in life and he's never going to move beyond it and that's kind of what he's stuck with and I think he's kind of stuck in a bit of a rut uh, about it he's keeping it to himself though he doesn't seem to be very open or communicative um, with with his family in, in particular but one night he's out with three of his colleagues three other teachers for the school they're celebrating one of the uh, younger teachers his 40th and you know he has the car with him so he says he won't drink um, but the three other lads are drinking away and after a while they persuade him to to try um the vodka <laughs> along with the, with their with their their caviar because they they said look we'll we'll really celebrate seeing well it's it's the, the only way to eat caviar isn't it yeah oh, absolutely. you need, you need right. to pair it with a, a an ice cold vodka yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so he has a couple of drinks and then he has a glass of wine he has another glass of wine they notice he's drinking quite a lot and they ask him if he's okay he kind of breaks down a little bit or you know he 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 kind of lets him in a little bit and tells him things aren't going so well at home and you know he isn't sure where his life is going and stuff like that but uh, in true <laughs> in true blokey fashion they find the perfect solution and they get him hammered drunk as well and you'll see a bit of a pattern that here um so after the night out to be fair he does actually feel a bit re- uh, reinvigorated and he meets up with the guys again later and they have a couple more drinks another time and there's kind of a consensus among the group that all of them in one way or another are a little bit dissatisfied with their lives um i'd say martin is probably the most severe example of that but you can tell there's maybe a dissatisfaction amongst the others as well and uh, nicola who's the the youngest of the group who's 40th they were celebrating he comes up with the idea and it's based on a real life theory from norwegian uh, psychiatrist finn uh, skarderud and i'm sorry could you could you repeat that finn skarderud <laughs> 
Sorry, I could, just wanted could to you, make you say it again. I thought that was really well well pronounced. Thank you very much. <laughs> say it with confidence, and <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah, no one will be yeah. able to. Yeah, and what's what they say? In music. If you make a mistake, repeat it because then it just sounds like you did it on purpose. There you go. Scatter it, scatter it, scatter it. I've no idea if that's correct pronunciation. <laughs> Danish listeners, get in touch with us because our Swedish listeners won't. No, <laughs> no, they won't. Um, so Finn Skadrud is a he is a, a Norwegian psychiatrist and he had this like unconventional let's say suggestion <laughs> that humans were born with a blood alcohol level that was 0.05% too low and he argued to counteract this and really to be your best self you have to be a little bit drunk <laughs> So he says, let's just put a disclaimer in here real quick. I feel yeah. <laughs> well, I think now, that, that tells me that you've not seen this film, Sinead, have you not? <laughs> no, I have. I oh, shit. Oh, you have. OK, because I think the film is disclaimer enough. For you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I'm just we joking. should put the claim at the start of this. You know, yeah, yeah. Don't drink to excess. Yes. You know? Yeah. This is a, a, a tale of warning. Yes, exactly. Um, so with that in mind, they argued that the best version of you is a, you know, a 0.05% more alcohol <laughs> or something. Mm. They say that's the best version of yourself. And again, drink responsibly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, five, I think 0.5%, I think it's like maybe, you know, a, a couple of beers or two glasses of wine, something like that. It's not a massive amount of alcohol, I don't think. Um, and actually, there is, I was going to play a clip of the film, but then I realized it's in Danish. So <laughs> for our Danish lost. listeners, though, oh yeah. no, our Danish <laughs> listeners are going, damnit. <laughs> that's German. That's not Danish. Was, <laughs> oh um, God. <laughs> there's there was a TV show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's from the creators of Pe- or Peep Show. Well, the stars of Peep Show, uh, Mitchell and Webb. Um, uh, they had a sketch show called the Mitchell and Webb Look a few years ago, where they're basically talking about how you're the best version of yourself after two glasses of wine. Have a listen <laughs> to this. <laughs> I'm one of a group of very important people who've been watching you for quite a while. We have great plans for you, which is why earlier I let you in on one of the world's greatest secrets. What secrets? That everything mankind does is much much easier if you're ever so slightly drunk. That sensation you get between half and three quarters of the way down your second drink of the day when you've just taken the edge off and feel that anything is possible. How did you feel after that wine I gave you? Like anything was possible. Exactly. Come with me. Welcome to our secret headquarters under the head offices of Oddbent. Oh, what is the point of the blindfold? You just tell everyone where we are. Sorry, forgot. But then again, I am slightly drunk, as I hope you soon will be. Who are you people? We're a group bound by the creed that humanity is better and more noble after very nearly two drinks than at any other time. We've been around for centuries. No one knows quite how long. But then it's hard to be precise when you're constantly slightly pissed. <laughs> Suffice to say that at all major historical events, we've been in the background, gently swaying from side to side. <laughs> My God. You're the inebriati. I thought you were just a myth. Actually, we prefer the term Knight's Tippler.
I can't, I can't believe you're putting clips in when you don't have a clip to play of the film. <laughs> yeah. What, um, what are they called? The Secret Society? What are they called? The something Arati? No, but if they're not the Illuminati. It's the, they have a name based on the fact that they're a little bit sloshed. It's oh, like yeah. a sl- sloshed Arati or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. what it is. But maybe there's something in it, though, because, you know, right, a disclaimer again, drink responsibly. But, like, you know, say two glasses of wine, you're more confident, you're more chatty, you're more relaxed, but you're not at that level where you're incoherent or, you know, you're pissed or you're singing Irish rebel songs or anything. It's kind of like the perfect level of drunk. Um, Ross in every episode is essentially what we're saying. Ah, sometimes I go way beyond that and start being other people's problems. <laughs> um, but um, you can probably guess what happens to the characters as the movie goes on. Well, you you guys have seen it, so <laughs> yeah, you know it. It kind of, as Niles says, it does kind of come with a warning. Um, so they start off by experimenting and trying to maintain the uh, 0.05% blood alcohol rate throughout the entire working day. They actually say they'll give it a miss at evenings and weekends, which seems like the <laughs> ideal time to have a drink. Um, so they start off and you know what it seems to go all right for them it's, it seems to have some success they're they're certainly more attentive engaged and engaged in work um it seems to improve their relationships and it looks like they have well not quite stumbled because they're not at that, that level yet but they've stumbled onto something uh here in this um you know the, the only thing about this is as i said they're four teachers so they are probably picking the worst work profession to maintain a buzz for all yeah. day like a school teaching young minds um, I, I would also say maybe anything around heavy machinery wouldn't be good <laughs> yes yeah most jobs actually would be doctor yeah. brain surgeon <laughs> <laughs> nuclear scientist you need that yeah. steady hand you know none yeah. of the shakes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah taxi driver anything like that but uh, but I feel like if you're going to get picked up on it very quickly because you know back in the like 80s and that or 70s it seems like everyone in Ireland was pissed all the time and just got on with it um, <laughs> I feel like if you're ever going to didn't get hear us made, make a big deal of it we were just oh, getting Jesus. on with things oh gotcha yeah, oh we'd wake up and have a few out. pints and then a, a couple of glasses of whiskey and then uh, we'd go to work and then at work we'd have a, come with a few more and then we'd come home and we'd, you know, we'd make a big deal about it like these yanks I know you're taking the piss but that's actually how it was <laughs> you know? um, um, but yeah so like it starts off it's going okay but before long and you know this probably goes without saying because it can be addictive or whatever um it becomes they're overindulging and 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 they push the experiments out to make them more extreme and it's getting to the point where they're kind of you know sculling back vodka before stumbling into school to teach a bunch of yogurt it's not a good thing and it doesn't glamorize you know that part of it either it really goes oh it really feels awful watching them at some stages of this movie um, but what I liked about this movie is it just, I think we were talking a lot about drinking movies and movies around drink, but I think if any movie encapsulated drinking, um, and by that I mean, you know, the highs and the lows of it, I think this movie covered it really well. It showed you like, you know, the f- the fun parts, you know, and then it showed you the consequences and all the stuff that can come from overindulging in it as well and the consequences so i thought that was a really really good part of it um and we like we were talking 
as well. The acting in it is is is, is mm. magnificent. Well, particularly uh, actually, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Particularly, but going back to that though, what 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 do you think? Like, I think this encapsulated drinking. Do you know? I thought I thought mm. it was like yes, that's a good movie representation of drinking and what it can yeah. be like and what yeah, I absolutely agree I think yeah. I'm nearly maybe of all the films that we've talked about yeah. in this episode this one is the one that is most about drinking yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean you could make an argument that uh, you could have a version of cocktail where Tom Cruise wants to open a restaurant or something you know yeah. what I mean or yeah. you could have a version of Sideways even where um, Miles is obsessed with art and he goes around to look at art galleries I mean yeah. it wouldn't be as good a film but mm. uh, you could argue it but this is intrinsically about um, about Get human pissed. beings human <laughs> beings relationship with, with drinking basically yeah. and how yeah. like you said there Ross the first I'd say half an hour even maybe a little bit more of this film is Almost like a kind of zippy kind of comedy, isn't it? Mm. You know what I mean? And they're oh yeah, oh oh zero point five. That's exact. I'm great. Look at me. Re look at me. Uh, you know, recapture the passion that I had for teaching, or yeah. my my love for my wife, or whatever it is. And then the second half of it is the hangover. You know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. Not even like not even. I'd say maybe it's a movie of thirds. So you've got the first third, which is this. Like you go out, you have your first couple of drinks, and you're feeling great. Then the the second third of it is you have maybe too many drinks and suddenly you're kind of you're going to the toilet and you're wobbling a little bit. And then the third third of it is the you fear. wake up with an awful hangover <laughs> and going, I'm never drinking again. Yeah. Yeah. Although, not to spoil the ending of this film, I don't know, I found it a very, very bleak ending. Despite mm. the fact that it's brilliant, like it's brilliantly yeah. shot and Mads Mikkelsen is fantastic. Uh, in his performance yeah um because i i i suggested this for you to watch um because it it had been a it had gotten fantastic reviews when it came out and um rightly so and i remember talking to another friend of mine who is a film fan and he just took the absolute it's like did you watch the same film as me he saw that ending and went oh but it's great though isn't it he's happy no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm not sure what I thought of the ending. I thought it was more like. Can I tell you what the ending reminded me of? It, the mm. fact when sometimes, like especially when you're younger, not so much. But don't give too much away. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, but the, no, the the mood it put me in is if you ever wake up on a Sunday morning and you're like, oh, I'm so hungover, I'm never going to drink again. The ending of that movie was the next Friday when you just finished work and the, your friend says you want to come out for a pint and you do. Yeah. That's what that seemed like to me. Like you're not going to say no to it. Yeah, and and your wife and kids have left you and mm. your ba- friend, you've just buried your friend mm. because of this. And look, we say we don't spoil it, but it, it's a very joyous ending, right? But I think tragedy. <laughs> the point of it is that he's on the same path that that his other friend was on if he's not careful the other two I think maybe seem to have a little more I can't remember the characters names Um, the the music teacher and the um, philosophy teacher Mm. because they seem to have more of a support system Mm. well certainly the, the philosophy teacher I don't think he's going to but I could certainly see Mads Mikkelsen Martin ending up the same way as yeah. the 
um, the football coach uh, but character. The philosophy teacher, I don't know. He was the guy and the guy who was really, I know like he was interested in philosophy and that's maybe what pushed in the experimentation. But he seemed to really want to push it. When he sees Mads Mikkelsen kind of stumbling about in work, He it's like it's, it inspires him nearly. Well, I took that to be he's a scientist. He's yeah. looking at a... He's nearly not even looking at his friend. He's gone. Oh, yeah, he's so cold, isn't he? Yeah, he's sitting, yeah. yeah. And, he's... and he has this, like, I mean, you can see why... You can see why they all are are um, are attracted to this idea. Yeah. Because they all have this deficit. And his thing is that he's... He's got young kids at home, and his wife is telling him to get up fresh, get fresh cod, and it's like, oh my god! Um, but you get the idea that like he is, he's not going to be at the point where Mads Mikkelsen is, where no. his wife is going, I'm out. You yeah. know, again, sorry to spoil it for people, mm. but you really should have seen it because it's a fantastic film, <laughs> even though it came out in twenty twenty. Yeah. 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 I will say what I really liked about it as well was we were talking the acting there and obviously Matt Mickelson, he's brilliant. I thought he was fantastic yeah. in it, but all everyone was good in it. But I thought, and we were talking about this when we were talking about Grabbers on St. Patrick's Day and uh, we were talking about how uh, the acting, you know, acting like you're drunk in a movie. Um, and in particular, we were pointing to... Um, we were pointing to Ruth Bradley in that role in Grabbers, yes. who played drunk very well. But I think all the actors in this played drunk so well. I wonder if they have not point five percent alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they you know method acting, <laughs> but they practice some of it on you know they practice some of it. Uh, they used to meet up and drink after the or before or whatever like that, but not during the show. They said they kind of watched a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Mm. But whatever they did, it seemed to work for them. Yeah, it was excellent. And like for me, like oh, I'm definitely, I never really understood the concept of people, you know, like going out specifically with the mindset of getting absolutely wasted. Like for me, I like a drink that's grand. I don't like to kind of get, too bad you know where you kind of lose all control and it just has that like you know it's a really sort of fine line isn't it between oh we're all having fun and having a few drinks to jesus we're fucking drinking during the day and we're fucking you know it's just it kind of puts that it shines a light on kind of how things can go really really wrong when it comes to drinking and how Mm. what started off as a fun time just went downhill very quickly and the consequences and it's a, of that it's like. a um it's a what would you say it's it's a kind of microcosm of how not even like you don't need to be you don't need to be going okay i'm, I'm going into work but i need to be secretly slugging vodka when i'm in yeah. work it's it's like when you go out for a drink it's mm. like that just that one drink too many, many or that couple of drinks too many where it's suddenly and the other thing that I love about this film is it affects them all very differently. Yes. Not only because just their relationship, I suppose, with drinking is very different. Not only because of what their home life is, but just because of the personalities that they are. And that's the truth. Do you know what I mean? You could you could know somebody who would go out and drink 15 points and be fine. Or you could know somebody who go out and drink 15 points and suddenly the next day they have to wake up and have another, you know what I mean? Suddenly they're on a very slippy slope, slippy, yeah. slippy slide, slippy slide slope. Um, and the other thing is as well, that slippy slope sound fun. Which <laughs> <is Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing like you alluded to as well is the, the idea that we're not, we're not familiar. Like the, okay. So Danish people, and this film, I think does a really good job of it. Um, 
of of capturing they almost have this uh British reserve as well There's yeah a lot of, and then it goes yeah. it drops doesn't it when, yeah. they, when they're too sozzled yeah and there's a lot of kind of um, song, um, songs the, yeah. the mm. choir singing Danish kind of national anthem songs I'm not sure I don't know enough about it but you know you get this idea of this is a country a bit like Ireland with a very complicated and Scotland and mm. you know and, and England and a lot of countries a very complicated relationship with alcohol yeah definitely yes, it but I think we're all agreeing that it's definitely uh, deserves to be in 1001 films to see before oh, we yes. die yeah, yeah. absolutely you know great what? great there movie is, there is rumours about it um Leonardo DiCaprio apparently he is kind of looking to do an English language remake of the movie oh no. I don't like English language thank you remakes. no thank no. you no thank no. you I, I think it actually ties in so well with Danish culture that I wouldn't like to see no I hate when they do that much. I hate yeah. when they yeah. do that Plus, Americans I don't well Americans have a very different relationship to alcohol. Oh, Jesus, they think like, you know, if you have two or three drinks, you're, you know, that you've got a problem. Like they definitely do. You know, you look at them, say, I mean, the one that comes to mind and it's years since I've seen it is leaving Las Vegas. uh, When you think about kind of what is there is Elizabeth Shue as well. Who's yeah. um, What what is the American uh, relationship? I suppose. (laughs) I mean, you're talking about a country where one of the, greatest sitcoms that they ever made is set in a bar and features basically a cast of alcoholics (laughs) (laughs) i mean norm let's face him he's a fantastic character but what's he you know he's going home and passing out yeah he is he is his wife is not happy but uh, look here anyway but like and the other the other thing i think was this um it wasn't Danish, was it Swedish? The the let the right one in. Like I mean, they fucking ruined that. Like when they remade that. Oh, when they remade, yeah, 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 yeah. They just didn't get the same creepiness at all. And that was on. a very good director. I don't think it was the same director, but no, a very good director. Stop but remaking anyway. things. It goes back to my argument <sighs> yeah. that comes up all again. Well, again, there's again. certainly there, there's no reason not to see this in its original yeah. form. You know what I mean? I mean, like I know we're we're not exactly the poster podcast for foreign language films, but we are trying to get better. <laughs> we're trying we? to get better there. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, I mean absolutely. And you've got Mads Mickelson in there and I, I wish I had the names of the actors here because I do think they all do oh I do actually I have written it down. Thomas Bo Larson, Magnus Milang and Lars Rante as this quartet of mm. uh, of teachers and We've said it before when we were t- we were talking about saying uh, watching um, uh, foreign language movies or international movies, you don't have the preconceptions of the actors when you go in. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So in in the same way, you kind of know that Paul Giamatti is going to be a lovable schlub with yeah. problems when you watch mm. Sideways. With these, you don't. You know, and even mm. Mads Mikkelsen, I would say, we're used to in in Western cinema, we're used to him being. A villain the bad kind guy, of or yeah. 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 Mm. And in this he's he's a kind of a sad middle aged family man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'll say as well, you could nearly, you know, do have the subtitles because obviously you don't speak Danish. And if you do, you know, you Fair play you don't need them. <laughs> but like he's he he can portray so much with just a look, you know, in this yeah. movie. It it's it's uh, really 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 amazing. I'm really glad got I got to see this movie. It's a fantastic film. Fantastic. Yeah, you, you're you're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> and I think as well as as two of our movies have proven, just uh, maybe don't go into teaching. Drives to alcoholism. <laughs> 
I could see Miles from Sideways. You oh, know, fitting in there life. beautifully. But no, but getting his life together and getting... I think the problem is he's not fulfilled by it. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. And if you find yourself doing anything you're not fulfilled by, then you shouldn't be doing it. But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, look here, here's... Let's raise a glass to all the alcoholic teachers out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've all had a few. I'm not saying who they are. You know who you are if you're We've listening. probably driven them to it, in fairness. <laughs> probably. Yeah. That's true. I think the only way I could be a teacher is if I was maintaining a 0.5 blood alcohol. <laughs> uh. It's time to murder a scene. So the only thing that's left is it's time to murder a scene and we've picked a fairly iconic one this week. We have indeed, yeah. We've, we've, we've been talking about a lot of aspects about um, alcohol um, and it, it actually it takes a big part of Stephen King's writing as well because he's struggled with, his, with the bottle as well for years. And I think in, in, a particular, in one particular movie that's really brought to the fore and that's The Shining. And uh, of course, there's an iconic scene where where Jack Nicholson arrives at a bar hoping for a drink, despite there being no booze. And here's a little bit of that scene. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd, because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? (laughs) No, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. And... Sorry. (laughs) That was so amazing. (laughs) And action. God, I'd give anything for a drink. My goddamn soul. Just a glass of beer. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What'll it be? Now, I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd, because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? No, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. You set him up, and I'll knock him back, Lloyd, one by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, uh, Lloyd, uh, it seems I'm temporarily light. How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance, just fine. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always liked you. You were always the best of them. 
Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. He is to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. How are things going there, Mr. Torrance? Things could be better, Lloyd. Things could be a whole lot better. I hope it's nothing serious. No, no, nothing serious. Just a little problem with the old sperm bank upstairs. <laughs> There's nothing I can't handle, though, Lloyd. Thanks. Women. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. Words of wisdom, Lloyd. Words of wisdom. Scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way scene. I went from, like, polite to, ah, women... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the bartender like for you. After a while. <laughs> oh, listen! I was the line I was born to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great! Well done! You've really channeled insane Jack Nicholson there. Fair play to you. I haven't laid a hand on him. God damn it! I didn't. I wouldn't touch one hair of his goddamn head. I okay. love what that little start- son of a bitch, Ross Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, love it. I used to always think he he said white man's bourbon, and then I hear <laughs> white man's burden. I was like, oh, well, either way, it's racist, but that's just yeah. even more racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, good, a lot good, of good dark movie, teams at the Shining. <laughs> yeah, 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 and a great. Um, have you you both seen Doctor Sleep the sequel? Yes, I have. Yes. And I, I think it really takes the themes of alcoholism and mm. certainly the you know what you inherit from your father and if you have a history of uh, problems with alcohol in your family how that can affect you uh, in a in a very scary horror movie as well yeah. <laughs> yeah it is it's brilliant it's really really good i really enjoyed it although i think i had like she's good but i think i had a different person in my mind for the What's her the name? Hat. The Hash. Something The Hash. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I remember talking talking to you about it and you had read the book, which I haven't read the book. So the book's I really didn't have good, any, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any kind of preconceptions there. But, uh, but the rest of I it still, was like spot on, I think. But yeah, just a different. Who did you have in mind for that? No, I, maybe, I don't know, like, like she, I don't know, like she is a good actor. And I think like the look of her and stuff w- was good, but I think she's more terrifying in the book. Mm. Yes. She's not as terrifying, maybe. You're kind of going, ah, I'm sure you'd be grand. You'll overthrow her. You'll be fine. Do you know what I mean? So you're <laughs> thinking, you were thinking Jennifer Aniston. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I don't know who Wait, I had. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I don't know. You know the way. Just sometimes it just that was the only little snippet, though. The rest of it was mm. was I mean pretty spot on. You know, it was excellent. Um, and Ian well, McGregor is great. Doctor Sleep. I gotta go to Doctor Sleep. So let's finish this. Podcast. Oh yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed our look at drinking movies. Remember, film fans, don't be like Ross. Please drink responsibly. Till next time, film fans. Slancha. See you at the movies, but maybe we should have a drink beforehand. I'll meet you beforehand before we go to the movies. We'll have a drink then, and then when we go to the movies, maybe we'll go to the pub after and talk about the film that we saw. I actually love doing that. School. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. You have been listening to The Real Take. Presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.